Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What is up, legends? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by a past guest of the show and a guy that I look up to a lot in the health and fitness industry, and not only the health and fitness industry, just as a, as a bloke as well. He's, he's a great guy with a, not, a lot of knowledge um, and, and just genuinely cares about providing value to other people, uh, which, which I'm all for. So I'm going to be chatting today with Austin Current. Now, Austin is a natural IFBB pro. As I said, he's extremely knowledgeable in the world of health and fitness, and particularly with strength training um, and nutrition as well. We're going to be diving deep into a little bit about mindset and having a growth mindset within not only nutrition and training, but your business as well. Um, and we're going to be talking about muscle growth and exactly what muscle hypertrophy is and how we can elicit a response with our training to to grow our muscles. And um, as I said, Austin is a very knowledgeable person who has a lot of value to provide. And I think in today's episode, he does just that. Now, I've got some timestamps in the show notes for those that want to skip straight to the muscle building section. But I do highly recommend that you listen to the whole show to hear about the growth mindset as well as he provides a lot of value there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. As always, if you take some value from the show today, please do take a screenshot and post that on your Instagram story for me. Let's get some more people hearing today's episode and also checking out the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in and um, let's get stuck straight into the interview with Austin. What's up, Austin? Welcome back to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on. Um, the last episode we did was a huge success and I was lucky enough to, to be a guest on your show recently, which, um, which I've been getting good feedback from and I really enjoyed. So as always, mate, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, the, the episode we did on my podcast, uh, the only feedback I've gotten is I wish it was longer. So I wish it was longer too. I had a client after we started and the whole time I'm like, no, I'm, I'm thinking about messaging my client while we're doing the chat going like, hey, uh, I'm about half an hour late. Do you want to come a bit later? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I find myself doing that too. When I get stuck on like a good conversation or a podcast, I'm just kind of like, oh, I, I, maybe I can push this next meeting off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was good, man. And and for those that are listening to this um, episode today, I'll have the link to that episode that I did with Austin in the show notes so you can go and check it out and um, and check out the rest of his podcast as well. But guys, what we're going to be talking about today is, as I was just chatting to Austin before we hit record, is a bit of a range of different things. So uh, we're going we're gonna to touch on some mindset stuff, particularly having a growth mindset within your business if you own a business or even just work a regular job and also within training and nutrition. So, uh, And then we are also going to touch on, as you would have seen in the title of today's episode, um, what muscle hypertrophy actually is and how we can achieve it. So Austin, let's start with the growth mindset, man. So um, you know, you're someone that I look up to in particular with in regards to having a growth mindset and always kind of not so much looking for the next best thing because that doesn't describe it the way I want it to, but more so like being open to not necessarily the next best thing, but the next thing um, in your life or the next chapter that you can move and work towards and, and being open to new ideas. So let's start with the business side of things. In regards to, you know, you've obviously got a successful business yourself and you've been working on a different number of projects for as long as I've known you or come across you anyway. 
what's what's kind of your whole approach to to the mindset side of business it's obviously easy to get stuck in your ways of just doing the same thing day in day out and having an idea in your head of how you want things to be and then never going off or never straying away from that but is there anything in particular that you like to to do to stay open to new ideas or even to be able to push the the boundaries of where you want to take your business yeah that's a good question so and i know we talked a little bit briefly about yeah. uh, some things that are going on currently um regarding this and it's it's interesting because it's something that you know the the boring consistent nuts and bolts of business like in building something that is successful is something that it's important to do the boring stuff but it's also important to stay open-minded to things that come along and, and staying open to possibilities and the as we talked about before we hit record was in our on our podcast episode yeah. is kind of that things are ever evolving in that that continuum of okay how much of the nuts and bolts do I stick to and how much do I stay open to uh, to keep expanding whether it's the business or my mindset towards yeah. how this thing could grow and so yeah, I, I think just a quick answer there. I, I think having having an open mind is super important. Yeah. And staying open minded there is super important, but also being able to stick to that nut, the nuts and bolts, stick to the foundations of what you set out to do. Yeah. Um, and one of the favorite things I've heard recently it was actually Alberto Nunez on my podcast talking about keeping the goal the goal. Yeah. Um, so I think a mix between keeping the goal the goal and how you can intertwine staying open-minded within that, achieving that goal. Yeah, within achieving that goal. Yeah, and as Austin just touched on, like in the episode that I did with, with him, we, we spoke a lot about, you know, I, I think something that you brought up then, which has just made me think about, as, a, as I just said, going back to the episode that we did, is that we spoke a lot about being open to, you know, what may, you know, two or three years ago, which may have been an amazing opportunity for you. And we're not like, for those who are listening, we're not just talking about ourselves inside a, a fitness business. We could be talking about, you know, promotion at work. It could be talking about, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but two or three years ago, something that might've been perfect for us then may not necessarily be so good for us now. And that's fine. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use an example of, let's say, um, working with, uh, a gymwear company or a supplement company, you know, like three or four years ago, I would have taken absolutely anything to work with any supplement company, any gymwear company. Whereas now, if I if I get an email or, or something through Instagram asking me to to wear someone's stuff and post about it or whatever, like it, I think like the decision I make is is very much based on whether or not it's going to work align with what what I'm trying to promote or whether it's a it's going to step on other people's toes and stuff like that. Which which again three or four years ago wouldn't have even been a consideration. So with that though, what you've just touched on, I think um, resonates with me a lot is that even though the opportunities we may take now compared to another time in our life may not be the same, the the foundation is still there. So we spoke about in our, in the podcast I did with you, how we're, you and I are very much the same in terms of we do the small things well consistently over and over and over again but within that there are opportunities or there are different decisions that we may make that are going to change from time to time I think that's what you need to be open to um, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that you still need to do all those small things really well over and over and over again and that's never going to change 
Yeah, I think that's something that's, sorry to interrupt there, I, I think that's something that's super important that uh, just needs to be reiterated and repeated. Uh, so for you listening, it's not about, I think you can get lost um, in, and I see this happen with colleagues, with people I've worked with um, throughout the years. It's in something that I think you and I do, have done really well has been just not only being open to those new things and being open to trying it, because I'll tell you right now, a lot of those new things that I've tried and stayed open-minded to have royally failed. Yeah. Um, a, you know, there's been a two or three that have just like been complete washes. Like that was almost a, a waste of yeah. a, a year of my life in a sense, but it wasn't a waste because it's, it's a huge learning experience along the way. But it's because, so you got to stay open-minded. You can't get lost in each new opportunity. And I think you alluded to that in the beginning, kind of introducing the topic was, it's not just chasing a new idea to chase the new idea because it's new or yeah. because it's shiny um, and lose track of what you, the nuts and bolts that you were doing. So it's this, you're tiptoeing this fine line of staying consistent to the boring shit that you don't necessarily want to always do day to day and also carving out time to being super open to things that come, come up that you think will align with the, that kind of that North star or that, goal that you have in mind 100 percent. and hopefully for those that listen you can kind of understand what we're trying to touch on here i feel like especially with myself when i try and explain it i just ramble on i have like an idea in my head of what i'm trying to get across but it just does not come out yeah <laughs> but i also want to touch on the the growth mindset in within nutrition and training so we touched on before the episode, I spoke to you about how I have a number of clients that I work with that really struggle. And I used to, when I first went through the process, I struggled with this as well, going from spending a long period of time in a fat loss phase where you're eating in a calorie deficit, you're waking up every single day, checking if you're a little bit leaner, you're leaving the gym, knowing that you've given 100% because you want to get leaner and you want to see those results, to then going into a gaining phase or an improvement phase where you're trying to eat in now a calorie surplus or at least at maintenance. And your goal is no longer to lose fat. It's, you know, it maybe putting on a little bit of fat initially to get back to a more healthy state and then progressing towards the next goal. And whatever that may be for you, it may be just to get back to some normality and train in a way that's enjoyable. It may be to build as much muscle mass as you can before going into another fat loss phase. So um, what's your approach or how do you kind of communicate with your clients in regards to having that growth mindset and being able to switch for, or transition, I guess, from a fat loss to a gaining phase? Yeah, so I think... Uh, I saw this uh, said yesterday, but I, I think in terms of the transitioning out into a muscle building phase from a fat loss phase, but you can think of kind of a fat loss phase as you're painting the wall. So, in, so just to give context to that, the muscle building process is kind of watch, like watching paint dry. It's, yeah. it's pretty boring um, and you got to be super consistent. You got to just stare at the wall eventually with enough consistency of you staring at the wall, <laughs> it'll dry, right? Um, and the, the relationship to that is you got to stay consistent enough over time, stick to your goal and keep all of those things, and which we'll allude to later on in the podcast. You got to stick consistent to that goal of, you know, quote unquote, watching the paint dry, but sticking to that goal of watching or going through the process of building muscle. And so, the, the process of building muscle can be a lot like watching paint dry. Fat loss phase is, I, I compare it to a lot like painting the wall. There's mm. 
there's almost instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, it's like cleaning your room. It's, it's like anything that has that instant gratification of, you know, each and every morning there's that, there's that almost new hustle, that new grind of yeah, how yeah. do I achieve a new low weigh in or how do I, you know, keep chipping away at this body fat percentage or whatever. And so those two, you, you can imagine those things like that. And so with imagining those things like that, you need to be able to measure the metrics. Um, so success lies in the metrics that you're currently tracking, right? So if you're in a fat loss phase, you're currently tracking those low weigh-ins. You're currently tracking the, the body fat percentages. You're, you're, yeah. you're tracking all of these different, these metrics, how you're looking in the mirror, my leaner. Um, and then in terms of transitioning out of that, you just have to find it's, it's hard and you have to find new metrics. Um, and that's where I think people have a lot of success with. If you have things set up in a proper way, you can really transition those metrics from visual goals to performance goals. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a really good way to kind of start to transition into out of the aesthetic goal, more or less, um, the immediate aesthetic goal and move into the long-term aesthetic goal yeah. by focusing on those new metrics, which are performance. Yeah. And now I'm going to put you on the spot here. So I apologize in advance, but after a fat loss phase, you know, you mentioned the performance goal. So would you like to give a rough example of how you would set a performance goal? You know, let's say day after a photo shoot, day after a competition or just when you decide to go into a gaining phase, how, what's the process there from going from the training where you're just purely focusing on maintaining muscle mass and, and losing body fat to then performance goal? Like how would you transition into that? And what would that look like, say, over a, I don't know, six to 12 week period? It yeah, doesn't exactly. have to be too specific. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a good question. So one, it's very individual. Um, and two, I would ask the, uh, the person, the individual themselves, what is important to them. Yes. So while transitioning out of a fallow space, for example, uh, I would spend at least a week at a, a, a very low to moderate volume. Um, I, I think people are too eager a lot of times to transition out of a fat loss phase where they've usually dug themselves pretty deep calorically. Um, and they've been really killing themselves in the gym. Not as a bad thing, but they're, they're crushing it in the gym and which is a great thing. And typically like cardio is there. Like there's a lot of things that make that transition pretty hard on your body. Yeah. Um, and I, I think people, they get excited. So whether it's after a competition or after a photo shoot, for example, they get really excited to that next session. And I, I used to do this um, after my shows or photo shoots, that next session, that next like couple weeks after that photo shoot, I would go from photo shoot lean and that style of very cautious training to just trying to maintain muscle mass yep. to the next day waking up and going to crush like a session that is like a session that I would have not ready for yet. Right. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready for that yet. My body's not ready for that yeah. yet. I'm mentally there yep. physically. I'm nowhere near that level of performance, yeah. uh, but mentally, cause I'm there, I'm able to push through and make it happen. Um, physiologically, you're just not in a position to do that. Yeah. And so uh, I would encourage you after a photo shoot, after a competition, after going through a fat loss phase to give yourself a week or two to transition out of that um, and set yourself, you know, during that transition where your volume is, you know, going to be lower on the lower end or more moderate end. And you're allowing yourself to kind of like 
detox mentally from what just happened yeah. um, and allow yourself to. That's, a, that's the important thing for a lot of people to understand is when you're in a calorie deficit, your body does not want to be there. So yeah. you're putting your body under a lot of stress. And as Austin's just said, you, you can't just wake up the next day and expect your body to be like, ah, fuck, don't worry about it, man. The last 12 weeks is fine. I forgive you for that. Let's just go and crush some deadlift PRs today. <laughs> yeah. Your body has no idea what you, you want. Like it, you, you want something and you put the actions into place and your body will follow, but your body's going to follow in a way that it can and, and it's able to. And so if you put something, it's like, like having a goal of, you know, I have no business running a marathon. Like yeah. mentally I could want to run a marathon, but I'm a terrible at running and my aerobic health is very subpar. So the fact that I would want to run a marathon, for example, and let's say tomorrow I go out and try to run that marathon. I'm not, I've not prepared myself for that. My body is in no position to do it. And it's, it's the same thing as if you're coming out of a, a fat loss phase or anything that, like that, that you need to give your body that, that transition time. Um, and to go into the, how to kind of base that performance based goal, a good way to do it. And how I would do it is I would ask the client or the individual, what is important to them? So what, what metrics, are important to them. Some people, you know, they, they want to get their squat back up. They want to, they want to just get their total score of maybe the big three. So squat, bench, deadlift, um, things like that. So those are a couple, a couple of examples and maybe you can base it off. What's a previous total that you've hit in the past that you've been really proud of. Okay. How do we now program that in to then spend the next six to 12 weeks while keeping your mind off the fact that you're going to be gaining some body fat back yeah. that you may not mentally be as okay with, let's kind of distract you in a way from that. Yeah. Focus on these new goals, these, these strength-based goals, these performance-based goals, like whether that's, again, like progressing with working with progressive overload um, and chipping away at adding five pounds a week onto something. Because as you're adding food, as you're adding energy and calories, that strength is going to be going back up. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think by figuring out what you want to focus on and then really committing to it. Reverse engineering almost from where, where you want to be. Yeah. Right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I think as well, like an easy way to think about that um, for those who are listening that may not kind of really understand how Austin, what Austin's trying to say is that like if you, you know, if you've spent the last say four months in a calorie surplus and you are getting strong and you're at the point where your deadlift, your squat, your bench is the best it's ever been. You wouldn't expect to wake up tomorrow after eating really well and eating in a calorie deficit today and look shredded like you did, you know, at the end of your cut last time. And it's exactly the same thing as what Austin's trying to say now is that you can't go from a cut to then all of a sudden, even though you've been there before, you can't just expect to then be back to where your strength was. It's like an Olympic athlete, like a sprinter. They work, you know, they, they progressively overload. They, they periodize their training all the way to the point where they know they can run their best time. But they know that three months before that, if they tried their absolute hardest, they wouldn't have been close to that time. It's, right. taking, that, it's taking that progression and that periodization to reach that point, even though right. they're physically capable of it. Right. And that same thing for business or mind, like success in anything. It's, you know, you wouldn't wake up if you have an exam four weeks from now and you could either choose to study a little bit every day leading up to that goal of that exam or you choose to cram that entire day before the exam who do you think is going to get a better grade on that exam? Probably the person that spent the last four months spending a couple hours a day chipping away at that goal. 
Um, So it's the same, whether you put it physically or mentally or emotionally, it's kind of all the same. You got to prepare for what you're trying to achieve. Awesome. I like that. Let's, uh, let's, let's transition now. Speaking of transitions, let's transition into um, the second part of this podcast, which I think a lot of people get a heap of value from, and that is muscle hypertrophy. So I want to keep it relatively basic, um, but just put it in a way that people are really going to be able to finish this episode and go, I completely understand what Austin said, and, and I have a better understanding of how muscle growth actually works. So first of all, uh, give us your best explanation of what muscle hypertrophy actually is. Okay. Um, <laughs> so in terms of looking at muscle hypertrophy, I, I think it's one hypertrophy just means growth. Uh, so we're looking to add muscle tissue to our, to our frame. Um, and that can come in a multitude of ways that could come in a multitude of, uh, efforts and contributions from different, different parts of your training, um, and nutrition. So the simplified answer that I have for you today is muscle hypertrophy is adding that tissue to your frame. Um, and it's creating how we do that is creating a a stimulus that merits a response from your body. Um, and I, I think where a lot of people get it wrong is if you look at, let's say it's not all about, it's not all about maxing out volume and it's not all about perfect execution. It's about finding where that middle ground is. We need great execution. We need to be able to place tension in places that we want to grow and we need to have an adequate stimulus or an adequate volume or adequate intensity to that tension Yeah. to elicit a response from our body to say, Oh, Hey, I did enough damage to this. I created enough of a stimulus to my chest, for example, yeah. that now I need to send, I need to send energy there. I need to send units. I need to send uh, kind of a, a repair crew to go repair that and add on to the, the current structure of that building or yeah. that, you know, those fibers to then grow. Um, yeah, giving it a reason to change. Giving it a reason to change. So yeah, so you need, you need enough of a stimulus to create a, create a response effect from your body. Yeah. And you mentioned this then it's not all, you know, you mentioned a few things, but it's not all about just going in and and doing a ridiculous amount of volume and, and leaving the gym, I guess, or leaving wherever you're training from feeling completely fucked. And as if you've, you've given yourself a reason to grow, that may not always necessarily be the best approach. And a lot of time it's not. So what are kind of the, the contributing factors? Um, obviously I already know this, but I want you to explain it for the listener, the contributing factors when it comes to muscle growth and, and any training stimulus, like in, in regards to like volume intensity and all that stuff. Do you want to kind of give people a bit of an explanation of, of what all that means? Cause I get a sure. lot of questions about, vo- you know, I throw the words around like volume intensity, um, all that type of different stuff and frequency. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand how that works. So, um, yeah, if you could give us a, a, an explanation of what that actually means. Absolutely. So I think a couple terms that there's a couple different ways that can be theorized that we're, kind of driving this muscle growth. Um, one is volume. So that's, that's a very recognized term, I, I think within the industry now. And, but it's volume, a lot of times it's kind of volume of what, um, because volume doesn't always mean the same thing. And it could mean, a, a, it could be being contributed from a couple different avenues. So one avenue is actual mechanical tension. Um, and this is probably the, 
from my knowledge and what I've seen in the research, probably the most important um, factor in terms of muscle growth currently within the literature yeah. is that it's volume of mechanical tension. And so that, again, that tension going back to why I mentioned execution being an important thing of doing things right um, in, in the gym and, and lifting with correct technique and being able to really put tension on a certain muscle group or muscle groups during a session or during a training phase uh, is important because you need that mechanical tension, but we need a, vo a certain volume of that mechanical tension uh, to, to, to elicit that response. And another yeah. one, another one being um, a mechanical stress or metabolic stress. So there's, there's a certain amount of stress that is placed on it. It's not even from a mechanical tension part of it, like actual load and volume of load, yeah. but from a, from a metabolic perspective at the, at the cellular level, there's a, there's a point at which there's kind of this threshold of like, if we get enough stress there yeah. that we can't quite deal with currently, then that is going to also help elicit a response. And so they're kind of different responses. One could have to do with the actual structure of the cell itself. So it could be, okay, we need to add uh, mitochondria, we need to add certain components to the cell mm. to give it more integrity, to give it more resilience. Um, we need to add certain, we need to upregulate certain enzymes to the cell um, to help with the recovery process and just fueling the cell itself. Or we need to add actual tissue on top tissue, of yes. Um, and so, you know, hopefully that's fairly simple enough to kind of start to dig deeper into. There's, there's a multitude of ways. So it's not just one dimensional it's mm. starts to get kind of three to four dimensional yeah 100 percent. and i'm sure you get this question a lot as well um but you know a question i guess thrown around heaps when it comes to muscle growth or even even fat loss to be honest is what's the best sets and reps to build muscle mass um yeah. so you know what what what's usually your answer to people that ask that question it kind of yeah it's it's, it's a valid question and i think i think yeah i think 100 uh, percent like I, I know 110% when I first started out training, I was always trying to figure out, I was looking at magazines, I was watching videos going like, you know, what rep range should I be working in? Like, mm -hmm. I remember I first got given this program. Um, it was kind of like the first program that ever got written for me in the gym. And this guy, he was pretty jacked actually. He wrote me this program. And before that point, all I'd been doing is sets of like, fuck, I shit you not, 15 to 25 reps. Like I was just crunching out reps until I – until I felt that burn thinking that that was what was going to help me grow my muscles. And he gave me this program and it was like, you know, between six and eight reps. And I remember just looking at it and, and I never did it. I looked at yeah. it. And I was like, fuck, there's no way I'm going to grow muscle doing that. I was yeah. like, that's not enough work. And I just, I just never, never went to it. So um, yeah, sorry to cut you off and ramble again, but what, what, what is your usual response to that question? Yeah. So it's somewhere in between my usual response is it's going to be somewhere in between kind of that six to 15 rep range. Um, and I say that with the caveat of it heavily depends on your ability to actual create, actually to create tension within the muscle group or groups that you are training. So if you're really good at creating tension, if you're really good and you're really proficient in that movement or that skill, it's going to take less to elicit that response that hopefully that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, Basically quality over quantity. In right. That, in that regard. Right. 
And so the, the more early on you are, the more reps it's probably going to take to elicit the same response as it would someone that is more advanced. And so my six reps may be your eight reps and it may be someone else's 10 reps yeah. um, or the next person's 12 to 15 reps. And so depending on you, your, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we can go down to in terms of muscle physiology. We won't, we won't go there because it's not going to necessarily help you in this, but there's a lot that is understood there to where individual variability comes into play um, and how someone not only is able to create a stimulus uh, or even create a response from that, uh, from that given stimulus. So the given rep range, I would say is somewhere in between six to 15. And I say that also with anything under six, you have to use an intensity or a percentage of that kind of that one RM one rep max. Uh, you have to use such a heavy load and or intensity that you can't quite get enough volume of that stimulus to elicit kind of that muscle growth response is my yeah. understanding of it. And where that six to 15 rep range comes into play is you're using enough of an intensity, using heavy enough of a load at enough of a volume to elicit that stimulus, to elicit and merit a response from your body yeah. that then send in units, send in that, that crew to say, Hey, we need to actually make ourselves more resilient here because next time this comes around, we got to be prepared. Yeah. And this is an open question, but let's say for example, we're, we're talking about an incline dumbbell chest press. Um, you know, this week you, you, you punch out three sets of eight. Are you sticking at that same weight until you get close to that 15 rep range mark with the exact same form, exact same RPE before you then increase the weight? Or do you typically look at certain exercises and say, all right, with the incline dumbbell press, I'm going to use the same weight until I reach around eight to 10 reps. And then I'm going to increase the weight and drop back until I get back to that 10 rep range. Um, or do you, is that, is that not the way you approach it? Or, you know, because the question that I get a lot is how do I know, um, let's say for, for example, pull-ups. Okay. So there's someone saying that they can do, um, three sets of 12. Should I add weight or should I keep going until I can get three sets of 15 and then add weight and go all the way back down to six and then gradually build my way up to 15? A couple of different ways to do it, right? Yeah. There's uh, there's always more than one way. Typically, I can't say always, there's typically more than one way to do something. So mm-hmm. there's progressive overload is a, is a wide term um, that, that has, is kind of, I, I see progressive overload as kind of this umbrella that kind of governs or oversees a lot of different metrics that you can start to manipulate within your overall uh, approach. So it can be anything from rest periods. It can any, be anything from overall tempo that you're, you're using, load you're using, rep ranges you're using, things like that. So it can be anything in different metrics that we're tracking along the way to then progress within a certain exercise. So to, to simplify that, it's not all about load. It's not all about reps. It's not, it's not only about tempo. It's not only it's, it's kind of a combination of things and, and what yeah. we're choosing to progress or overload in this. And so if we're, let's say for example, um, one way I would overload or progress in a movement such as the, the dumbbell press would be, okay, like let's say we're doing three sets of six to eight reps. Uh, you know, week one, I get a certain weight but I only get it for six reps mm-hmm. or I get it. Let's say I get that lower weight for eight reps. 
Week two, I go at five pounds, I get seven reps. Okay, week three, I go, I go up a weight again, and I'm able to get six to seven reps. So I'm still within that range, but I'm able to keep progressing. Yeah. So maybe week four, since we've kind of maxed out that the load we can use for that six to eight rep range, yeah. maybe now that's when we add a set. Okay. So now yeah. we do four sets of six to eight yeah. and see if you can keep that. And maybe you go back down because again, the accumulated fatigue you get from yeah. that's adding a quite a bit of volume. So yeah. that accumulated fatigue you're going to, you're going to get after used to being doing three sets of six to eight. And now you're doing four sets of six to eight. Yeah. You can imagine, you can start to see how that's really going to accumulate in fatigue quite fast. And so you may go back down to the weight that you did week one, but just add a set. Mm-hmm. Or if you're feeling really good, you're, you're, you're progressing really, uh, really well. And the more beginner you are, the faster you're probably going to progress in this. And so if you're, yeah, if you're okay. still very beginner, if you're still within the first one to two to three years of your lifting career, uh, you can probably be a little bit more ambitious with these jumps. And by adding a set, you could probably, what you were doing on week three or four, you could probably add that set and stay, stay with that same weight you were doing week yeah. three or four, if yeah. that makes sense. So that, there's, that's one way to kind of do it. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that I'll, I'll add to that is um, what a, a lot of people that may be listening at the moment don't understand or, or don't take in, into account, I guess, is that, you know, a question that I'll get is, you know, the, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask a client, what, you know, what are the lifts that you've been progressing on lately? What are the lifts that you've been struggling with? And I'll say, you know, on my lower body day, my, my sumos have been going up, my Bulgarian split squats have been going up. But with leg extensions and, and all that stuff, the weight staying relatively similar. And I'm, so that's something that you need to take into account as well for those that are listening, that if you are overloading your first one, let's say one to three lifts, then you can't expect to then continue to overload all the other lifts for the rest of the session, your accessory exercises for the whole session because you are doing more volume already. So you are placing the muscle under enough fatigue that if anything, you may even need to reduce the weight on certain exercises and just work off an RPE um, and get that volume in because you're not going to be able to overload every single exercise, every single session. Yeah. And I think a good way to think about that is that's good. You bring that up. And I think a good way to think about it is you have certain choose certain exercises that you're going to want to progress with. Those are typically going to be the ones you do first in the session. Like a benchmark exercise type of thing. Use those benchmark exercises. And then those other exercises are there to maintain volume, to maintain that. Um, And so again, kind of like going back to the, the fat loss analogy, right? So we have certain things in place to just maintain what we currently are doing daily. And then anything added on top of that is kind of those benchmark habits, for example. Yeah. Um, and so like with looking at progressive overload or looking at progressing in certain workouts or exercises, choose those benchmark ones you want to do. So for example, like it could be a, a split squat, um, you know, something or, or a deadlift, for example, and do those first in your, in your session, keep them first in your session throughout this entirety of the phase, but keep also keep those, those exercises like the leg extension, leg curls, things that are really there to where you're not putting yourself at a, a risk of injury. Yeah. You're, you're very stable. You're able to create a lot of output there and you can just accumulate and accrue the volume that's needed mm. to maintain the level that you need uh, yeah. throughout the phase. And I want to co- uh, pull a couple of things out of that. I know we have to to wrap things up relatively soon. So I'll just ask a few more questions here. So, uh, 
another thing that's extremely important, and I'm sure you can back me up here, um, with muscle growth is the order of, of exercises in your session. Um, I know for those that are listening, if you've listened to basically any of my episodes before, you'll know that uh, it's not ideal, especially if you're trying to get stronger, to be going into the gym and starting your session off with three sets of leg extensions to failure and then trying to go and overload your box squat or your deadlift or whatever it may be. Um, so obviously, I, I just kind of want the listener to hear it from your mouth as well as mine, uh, the importance of you know the order of your exercises in a session. How much importance do you place on that? Yeah, I got a I got a funny answer for you. So it's, I think it depends on the individual, and again, how advanced are you? Um, or if you're very beginner um, or intermediate, even I think it's very crucial that you are placing those exercises with a harder degree of skill towards the beginning, um, because not only as you're you're accumulating fatigue, you're also taxing your nervous system, you're taxing your mind, uh, to creating and being able to do that skill efficiently and effectively. Uh, so the more towards that, you know, years one to three in your, in your training career, that kind of beginner to intermediate, I think it is important. I'll I'll highly agree with Danny here in, in saying that you need to place those of kind of those benchmark landmark exercises. The order of importance there is to put them towards the beginning. Now, as you get more advanced, so if you're listening to this and you've been, you're very comfortable, you're very confident, I think that order starts, it starts to break down a bit. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm personally playing around with this. And again, to stay on the safe side, I, would, I do recommend a probably, let's say, 95% of my clients um, and program accordingly to have those towards the beginning. So like yep. the squat, for example, the deadlift, like those would be probably the first or second exercises in the, in the workout, let's say if there was six total. Um, but as you advance and even for myself, my programming uh, and some of my more advanced clients, I am playing around and ones that I can trust that they're going to give positive feed or quality feedback to me of like, Hey, that's just not a good idea. Yeah. Or, Hey, that was actually a, it was a new stimulus on me. Um, I wasn't able to lift as much load, but the, the rate of fatigue was so much different mm. uh, and it, its contribution to the volume and intensity of that workout was much different. Um, and so I think if you're able to kind of stay within your, your means of, are you a proficient squatter? The better you are at squatting, the better you are at that skill. Maybe the more we can play around with moving it around in your workout. Yeah. Yeah. So the more advanced you get, the more, you're able to kind of play around with those uh, in the order of exercises. But I will highly, I will, I will definitely agree with Danny here in saying if you're in years, even one, let's say one to five of your starting to, to strength train, nail down, get stronger, nail down the, the proficiency, nail down the skills of these exercises and stick with that order um, that Danny's been telling you. Awesome. That was a good answer. I, uh, I like that. Uh, there's a couple more questions, man, and then I'll let you go. Um, again, we, we, we said this right from the start. It's always gets to the point where we should just keep going, but we can't. Um, Let's do that one. Uh, I, I'm kind of a big believer in something I say a lot is that it's not necessarily, especially if we're not talking about a powerlifter who's, who's um, focusing on specific lifts. Obviously, if you're a powerlifter, you need to get very good at the squat, bench, and deadlift. But um, you know, I'm a big believer in 
when we try and go for muscle growth or even in a fat loss phase, that it's not necessarily the exercise, it's the movement that's important. What's mm-hmm. your opinion on that? So a lot of people, like just to give you some context here, um, I'll, I might get an email or something from someone saying, that, you know, flat bench press, every time I do it, I get sore shoulders. Um, it's, it just always feels shit or it feels good for a few weeks and then, and then I start to get a sore shoulder. Um, but I want to grow my chest. What can I do? And I always say, well, do a different exercise that's going to stimulate the same muscle group. What's your, what's your opinion on that? I agree with you there. Um, and I'll take it a step further and just say that it isn't, yeah, so it's not the exercise, it's, it's, the, it's the movement or the movement patterns. Um, and it's your, your body's going to recognize tension in that area. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't recognize that you're using a barbell. It doesn't recognize that it doesn't really recognize anything other than, other than tension. And you change, I'll, I'll try to keep this really simple. You, with each, with each exercise. So whether you're using, let's say a barbell, um, or a dumbbell in a, in a pressing movement, let's stick to the chest or stick to pressing movements. Your, your, that exercise itself is loaded greatest at the bottom mm-hmm. of that movement. So if, when you're, you're lowering that bar, that those dumbbells down to your chest, that's most loaded uh, at the bottom of that movement. Um, and for something like cables or, or a chest fly machine, that actually starts to change a little bit and the tension, the tension may be greatest at the mid or even the, the most contracted range of that movement. Um, yeah. So there's, there's things that not only, I think you should focus on the exercises that you can do very well and that feel really good and just nail those down, yeah. nail those down, excuse me, um, and do them, do more sets of those instead of adding more exercises to your workout. Yeah. Um, again, that, that comes back to what, what I'm sure you talk about a lot. I definitely talk about it is enjoying your training. Mm-hmm. and finding a way of training that not only are you going to be able to progress in, but something that you genuinely look forward to going to the gym to do. Because yeah. there is absolutely zero point, I think, anyway. And, and I used to do this until I, until I kind of woke up and realized I was just being a dickhead. Going to the gym and doing exercise that the whole day you're sitting at your desk at work or thinking about going, fuck, I've got a squat tonight and I couldn't think of anything worse. If yeah. you don't like it, do something else that's going to create tension on the same muscle. Um, right. And, and so I'll add to that really quick and just say that, Again, so not even, not, not even to like go back into what, what I was talking about, but so if, if a barbell doesn't feel good on your, or your shoulders, or your elbows, or your wrists, transition to dumbbells. Dumbbells are going to elicit the same uh, resistance profile, uh, and that just, that just basically means simply where that exercise is hardest in the range. So for a bench press, a uh, free weight bench press, so like a barbell or a dumbbell, that's going to be at the bottom of the, the movement, regardless whether you're using a barbell or dumbbells. Mm. Um, so if dumbbells feel significantly better for you, do them, like use yep. them. Yeah. Um, and same goes with like back, uh, your back squat. If you don't like to back squat, do a, a split squat mm-hmm. using dumbbells instead of yep. the barbell. And that may be more comfortable for you. But again, the tension and the resistance profile is the same on those exercises. Yeah. And so it's, there are a lot of these exercises that are interchangeable. So don't feel scared into, Oh, I have to squat bench deadlift. Yeah. There's many variations of those movements that are going to elicit the same response and may line up with you mechanically significantly better. Um, which is going to increase your longevity of your training career. It's going to lower your risk of injury and just increase your enjoyment overall of your, of your training. Love it. 
brother, as always, I know we have to wrap things up, so I'll, I'll wrap it up here. But as always, mate, thanks so much for coming on the show and you provided a lot of value um, as you always do. So guys, if you've enjoyed today's episode, which I'm sure you have, make sure you take a screenshot of this show and post it up on your Instagram story for me within the next 30 minutes and tag myself, tag Austin. I'll have all the links to his socials and, and website and also the episode we did not long ago as well in the show notes. So you can go and check that out. Um, but man, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the platform as always. We, uh, we have to do it again soon. We have, to, we have to pick a day where we've both got a lot of free time and then just go for it. Maybe we can record like five episodes in one. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day. I look forward to coming to you again next week with another episode.